Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 71, which begins with Jesse finding the Acolytes, and it ends with Jesse trying to get Sprague back. Good Monday morning, Julia. We are out of the woods. Finally. (laughs) Yeah, in a manner of speaking. Yeah, I mean, physically. What's the expression? Um, Out of the... Flame, no. Out, out of the, the frying pan into, into the fire. Into the fire. Yes, that's it. That's a good way to put it. But we are technically out of the woods. Yeah, I mean, I Max will isn't. review. Max is still in the woods for some misguided and awful reason. Uh-huh. But Jesse is in the farmyard and she has wandered over to like this barn shed area and she hears Toe Cutter's voice saying, well, well, well. And it kind of reminds me of when Max and Goose arrested Johnny. Oh, yeah. That was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. Because, <laughs> A... Like, oh, Toe Cutter sounds just as stupid as Goose. Yeah, you don't like that phrase. I don't. I mean, I like it in select instances. I've already mentioned that. How I appreciate it when it's used in a pun context. But I feel like this was definitely a callback for the benefit of the audience, considering that the only person that was there for that first incident is Johnny. And I don't think Johnny would be... out of the skull. Exactly. I don't think he would be the kind of person to have been conscious enough to really remember that, to say, hey, Toe Gutter, this is what you should do. Right. So, yeah, you're right. That was purely for the audience. Mm-hmm. But we get a good look at Toe Cutter, and he's kind of walking forward with all of his acolytes behind him. And he's got his helmet perched up on top of his head. With a tuft of hair. Yeah. Sticking through the face part. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with words. The face opening, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks kind of regal. You know, it's kind of perched on top of his head like a crown would be. Yeah, I, that's an interesting observation because it also makes me think about the fur over his shoulders, mm-hmm. which we've never talked about, and I nope. do not know why. Um, so I I do think that he is fashioning himself as royal, as the leader, the unquestionable. You don't question monarchy. Right. They just are. And he definitely speaks more eloquently than the rest of the gang. I think that's a good way to put it. Yes. Uh, his manner of speech is just streets ahead of some of the other gang members. Yes, we have referenced that in the past with the experience of Hugh Keys Byrne being a Shakespearean actor, but I don't think we give Toe Cutter enough credit for how he speaks and the way that he elevates himself above the rest mm-hmm. in his speech patterns. I think the only other gang member that kind of comes close to to speaking the way that Toe Cutter does is probably Kundalini. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Oh, what do you think? I thought you were going to say Bubba. Bubba has... He does like to use big words. He does. He also has a presence. Mm-hmm. And remember when he called Johnny chicken and it like took us aback. We're like, he's that's not... Yeah. That's not Bubba. He's stooping to Johnny's level by using language like that. I think... Normally he, he keeps himself above... I think the reason I didn't immediately go to Bubba Zanetti is because he's so quiet. Like, when he speaks, it's a rare thing. Yes, it is rare. And he's very 
reserved yeah. with the words that he chooses. He hasn't, he's been lurking in the background and in the side for a while now. We haven't heard him speak in quite some time. Mm-hmm. We do get that nice little speech from Kundalini about his surgeon's hands. Mm-hmm. But everybody else is very, I don't know, clunky and crass and a little bit more what you would expect. Yeah, a bit more down-home good time Yes, than star of the stage and screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, keeping up with that train of thought, from Well, 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 Toe says, Ah, it's our little mother, referencing Jessie, who is kind of backing away. Now that she's realized what she's looking at. And as the gang members are shifting around, it's revealed that Diabondo is sitting there with Sprague in his lap. So we know exactly where Sprague is. I do appreciate that they didn't drag out that reveal mm-hmm. for us or for Jesse. It was pretty quick. When we first came upon the scene, Starbuck and Johnny were blocking the view of Sprague. But as soon as this, this dialogue starts up, they move to the side. And I gotta say... For being rough and tumble and just scary biker dudes, Diabondo is being rather gentle with Sprague. I mean, he's kind of cradling him, and they've kind of wrapped him up in a burlap bag and whatnot, like you would a baby. And he's, you know, sitting there holding him, and I think he's got like a piece of fruit or something in his hand. Yes. He's also got a hatchet. Right. But the important thing is... (laughs) I think he used... The hatchet to cut like an apple or something in half. Because mm-hmm. there do seem to be like two halves of something around. Which makes me wonder. So, so Diabondo has like the humanity to treat a baby at, at least relatively safely. That begs the question again back to the ice cream shop. What were they planning on doing to the baby? Mm. It makes me wonder if they weren't really planning on doing anything to the baby. I think that... Like they probably would have just shoved the baby in the car where it was enclosed and done whatever they were going to do to Jesse. Yeah. You know what? I, that's the story I'm going to go with because it's really disturbing to think about what they might have done yeah. to Sprague. So. Well, I mean, one of the things that I thought seeing Sprague sitting there in a burlap bag mm-hmm. is that they probably put him in there in case they needed to beat a fast retreat. They'd probably just pull the bag up over the kid's head and just crampus him away. Oh, yeah. That does make sense. That would make, yeah. That would explain why he's in a burlap sack. Mm-hmm. I mean, because let's face it, Sprague was sitting on a pretty nice blanket. And so if you wanted to wrap up the baby in a blanket, you just take the one that was on the ground. Right. They could have just scooped up the entire blanket. Tied him up in a bindle and <laughs> put a exactly. stick over their shoulder. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, just just the idea of Sprague wrapped up in a bindle. Mm. Bindles are funny anyway. It's a funny word. So we get to see Jessie, like we get to see her reaction to seeing her baby. So she knows where he is. And then we pull out and we get a wide shot. This is my favorite moment of the minute. Well, second favorite. It feels like a bikey's version of The Last Supper. (laughs) Okay. It feels like people are lined up. And presented to us in this picturesque way. Mm-hmm. And then there's Mudguts. Oh, yeah. Who's just being weird, like plastered himself to the side of the building. Yep. And you gotta look hard to find out how the heck he's doing that. Like he's yeah. ever so slightly perched on the windowsill. Yep. And I think he might, he's, he's probably like holding on with his toes. To the brick, too. Yeah. But barely. I gotta say, the shape that he is making with his body, it kind of looks like, you know, in old cartoons when Superman is in flight. 
Yes. He's got one arm extended with the other one behind him. And his legs are kind of kicked at an angle. Yes. A couple angles. It's like a still position that makes you look like you're moving fast. Yeah. It's That's, almost like he's yes. pretending to run. And he's just perched up there on the side of the wall. And I feel like this image that we're looking at of all of the gang members with Toe Cutter in the middle pointing over at Kundalini. It's so indicative of their individual characters. Because you've got Bubba Zanetti, who's just standing there, Looking stock still. And, yeah. Like, I feel like that's his favorite pose. Standing, arms at his side, just staring at things. Yeah. His head tilted slightly forward so that he's glaring out at the top of his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then you got Clunk, who's like, it kind of looks like he's found a long stick or a broom handle. And mm-hmm. he's just kind of playing in the dirt. Which he does. This is at least the third time we've seen him find something mm-hmm. and play with it. Yeah, he I feel like that I can think of off the top of my head. I think Clunk would benefit greatly from like a fidget cube. Yes. You know, something to keep his hands busy. Yes. One shaped like boobies or something. <laughs> so, right next to Clunk is Starbuck who is like biting his fingernail and then like I I tried to write down something clever in my notes about like him giving himself a manicure or something like that (laughs) and he just seems bored with the whole situation like he's not actually paying attention right which which would make sense because he's never like at the forefront of any goings on Mm -hmm. like he participates but he doesn't really seem to be too too into it yeah he does seem to be the type that is always looking for the next distraction because as they were all on the beach he was the one that initially noticed jesse because he's probably just always looking for that next like I said, distraction. Yes. And speaking of distractions, you've got Mudguts sitting up on top of that windowsill. And it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where you look at it and you might not notice it initially because Toe Cutter is such a commanding presence in the scene. Yes. But when you stop it and you look at it, you wonder, wait, how did he even get up there? Right. Like there's a little pallet leaning against the wall and then... If he kind of kicks up the pallet, he could probably get to the top of the door and then kind of push on top of the door to get to the windowsill. But it's like, it's like some sort of Spider-Man thing or I don't even know. I would be very interested in the behind the scenes of how that happened. Oh, absolutely. Was it the actor's idea? Was it George Miller's idea? Was it written into the script that way? I, I would be very interested in how that detail came about. I have a feeling that it's probably a decision from the actor because when we talked about David Brox back in minute 21, like 50 minutes ago, (laughs) we talked about how he was part of the stunt team. He was that kind of person that would do something that physically challenging. Okay, that does make sense. Just to put himself in that position. Right. Makes a lot of sense. I could just stand here or I could climb up and sit up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that does make sense. I mean, Diabando is sitting a bit more conventionally, like we said, because he is holding Sprague. And yeah, he's just being so very gentle, Mm -hmm. like surprisingly so. I feel like Diabando is the one that would most specifically defy the typical, stereotypical biker in his actions or mannerisms. Like, I feel like he's more of a wild card. Honestly, I can't really remember any other moments Mm -hmm. with him. 
I mean, except for the Chevy scene, which everybody was involved in. Mm-hmm. And there was the milkshake back in We Jerusalem. What, which one was he in the milkshake scene? It's a really long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Diabondo was the one that chased Grinner into the building and ended up throwing him out and then dragging him ah. from the back of the motorcycle. Okay. So then, of course, next to Diabondo is Johnny, who is standing there with his hands in his waistband like a bum. I called him slimy in my notes because he's yeah. dumb and stupid and I hate his face. <laughs> and of course, we see Jesse from behind. And then over in the shadows is Kundalini. And what I like about this scene, as I mentioned before, is Toe Cutter in the center of it. And he's pointing over there into the shadows. And he says, that there is Kundalini. And as he says Kundalini, we kind of cut over to a close-up of that poor guy. Yeah. So, in my notes, I say, oh, that is the face of regret. You know, regret that he tried to attack a van with a length of chain. Regret that he joined a motorcycle gang. Regret that he never pursued a career as a surgeon. (laughs) You know? But then I thought again, and I'm like, oh, he's probably stoned out of his mind. You know, if if the group had any kindness or compassion at all, he would be. Mm-hmm. Because it's the only thing they can do for him. He's going to die of infection. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They might as well make him comfortable. Like. Because they've, they've wrapped him up and it's not very clear how he got there. If he rode his bike, which I can't imagine because don't you have to have both hands? It definitely helps. It would be extremely difficult without a right hand. Right. To give the bike any sort of throttle. So he probably rode on the back of someone else's motorcycle. Right. But yeah, he... Which I'll have more questions about that in the next coming minutes. Yeah, he is out of it. Yes. I'm pretty sure... Why did they bother bringing him along? They should have deposited him at some crony's house. Well, they needed him as an object for, for this little presentation here. Because if he wasn't there, then we wouldn't get the best line of the entire movie. Yep. Yeah, we cut back from this shot of Kundalini to another shot of Toe Cutter, just with his arm outstretched, and he says, and Kundalini wants his hand back. (laughs) Okay, this is my favorite moment. When I was growing up, I heard a phrase a lot, and that phrase was, how does it feel to want? (laughs) (laughs) And that is the first thing I thought of when when I heard Toe Cutter say that. Oh, my equivalent was, sounds like a personal problem. Yep. Knowing your mother. Yeah, right? That is 100% on brand, I I'm trying think. to remember who said it more, my mom or my dad. I think it was, it was definitely both of them that said it. <laughs> sounds like a personal problem. They just fed off each other, didn't they? Yes. Yep. And if you ever asked them what they were chewing, they would say their tongue. <laughs> it's so weird. Yep. Oh, boy. So, Toe Cutter is laying out very specifically, Kundalini wants his hand back. And, okay, I feel like Kundalini could probably speak for himself if he wasn't drugged out. So it's kind of nice that Toe Cutter's advocating for him. Yeah. (laughs) But Jesse fires back with what she wants. She wants her baby back. Don't do it. Don't do it. Move on. She wants her baby back. (laughs) I think it's about at this point that... Toe Cutter removes his helmet from its perch on top of his head. And we get full view of his glorious helmet hair. He looks like a who from Whoville. He does. 
like it's half up in a ponytail like on top of his head and then the rest of it is like matted down and okay as somebody with long hair who wears a motorcycle helmet i call bs on him having his hair even half pulled up like that because the place where the elastic has gathered the hair is going to get pushed into his skull by the helmet you know what i bet happened and it will drive him to insanity I'm willing to bet that when they were waiting for Jesse to arrive, he probably took his helmet off and then gathered his hair. And then gathered his hair and then perched his helmet back up on top. Right. Because the one thing about that top knot is that it's going to keep the helmet in place. That is true. It was definitely functioning that way. Poking up through the opening. And I can also tell you that the first thing you do when you take your helmet off is do your hair. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just throw it up in an elastic because it's all crazy and gross now. Yeah. You, the first thing you do is take care of it. <laughs> um, I just want to say, going back to the fact that he looks like a Who from Whovell, can you imagine, take the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas, which you're not a fan of, if I remember right. I'm okay with the story. It's the song. Ah, gotcha. It's a horrible song. But take that story, take the Grinch out of it, and drop in Toe Cutter. <laughs> I think that would be pretty great. I know, right? Because he has a way with words and he has a sense of humor, but it's very dark. And the problem would be is that I don't think Toe Cutter's heart would ever grow three sizes. Mm. He has a shriveled little heart and he pretends that he has a big heart. Like he pretends to be on your side and have compassion for you. And then he turns around and shoves a shotgun in your mouth. Yeah. I I don't think Toe Cutter would necessarily steal Christmas. I feel like he would burn that mother down. Oh yeah. He wouldn't steal it. He would destroy it. He would like sneak into people's houses and take a baseball bat to each and every Christmas tree. Absolutely. And like. And he would have a grand old time doing it. Terrorize everybody. And Bubba would be there right, right there with him. Yep. Not really doing much, but Bubba would be there. Yeah. <laughs> Bubba is a great shadow for Toe Cutter. Like, if you want, like, a henchman, like a number two, like, Bubba Zanetti is your man. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking forward to, I think it's tomorrow where we get a line from Bubba. Oh, yeah. When May shows up. Yes. It's just one line, but it's great. Okay. Where were we? So the helmet. So Toe Cutter says, you know what? We'll swap you. And that would be great, except that Ziggy has Kundalini's hand. Yes, which Jesse never tells him. Like, how easy would it have been to say, oh, well, you want the hand back. I don't have it. You know, it's with Ziggy. It's in Lost and Found. Go pick it up. Yeah. Like, all you have to do is go claim it. (laughs) It's waiting to be claimed. (laughs) You imagine? So they're having this face off and... Tokoder's like, tell you what, I'll swap you. And Jesse's be like, oh, well, okay, yeah, it's over in this precinct building. And then suddenly every Tokoder's like, all right, well, we know where it is, everybody. Let's go. Yeah. Let's hop on the bikes and leave. Let's and leave the And he walks baby. in there and <sighs> goes, Kundalini wants his hand back. Can you imagine? Like, that would never happen. Like, they would never go that way. No. But how absurd would it be if that's actually how this scene resolved? <laughs> if Tokoder says, oh, well, that's very helpful. All right, we'll leave then. Right. <laughs> Sorry about the dog. Right. I want to point out that we've had this discussion many, many, many times about Toe Cutter and his power plays Mm -hmm. and how it's very effective and the different way that it affects different people along the way. So now he's doing it to Jesse again. I mean, he already, he already tried it on her once. 
didn't work. He's trying it on her again, still not working. She's not playing his game. He's provoking her and her only response is, give me my baby. And she's so polite about it. She is. She says, please. Yes. Like, how many parents, when their child is being held by, you know, violent gang members, would think to say please? You know? I feel like... Gotta give her credit for that. The use of please alone should have convinced the bikers to give up the baby. Be like, oh, you asked very nicely. We appreciate it. Here you go. Here you go. If only. If only. So, in response to Jesse asking, please give me my baby, Toe Cutter says, Jesse, Jesse, you've not got a sense of humor. And he says it just like that. He does. With and a I, Scottish accent. He, I listened to it a couple of times, and I realized to my American ear, you know, there could be some generalizations about accents. But no, I'm pretty sure that's a Scottish accent. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's putting it on and he is making fun of her. Oh yeah. He's certainly making fun of her. Yeah, but... it is full on Scotty from Star Trek. I can't give up any more Captain type Scottish accent. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. And it is so like it comes out of nowhere. It does. I think he's he's playing like he's being goofy, but he's not. He's being dark. But yeah. starting here where he says Jesse 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 he goes into about how, you know, have you not got a sense of humor and blah, 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 in reference to giving Kundalini his hand back. Because of course she can't give it back. Like, she can hand him the bag, but that's not going to save Kundalini's life. Yeah. It doesn't actually matter where the hand is. It's not attached to Kundalini, therefore it doesn't matter where it is. So the joke is that nobody can give Kundalini his hand back. And... Toe Cutter is pretending like it was a good joke and poking fun at Jesse for not thinking it was funny. Yeah. I'm a little concerned that he knows Jesse's name. Um, I am hugely concerned that he knows Jesse's yeah. name. I have been trying to think about people that both of them have interacted with. Mm-hmm. The only one that's come to my mind is the Grease Rat. Now, they didn't have much interaction, Jesse and the Grease Rat. But but he might have heard Max call her Jesse. Very true. And he might have heard Jesse call him Max. So kind of almost by default, he might have known their names. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of, and it feels pretty fit. The idea that comes to my mind is that when they tracked down the van, they probably poked around inside a bit, and the Maybe. van might be registered to her. It might be. You know what I mean? Or her like, license or something is inside. Some sort of identification. Yeah, because I'm trying to remember, without going back into my notes, what was said in the presence of the Grease Rat. And I think if off-camera Max had mentioned Jesse's name, then the Grease Rat off-camera could have told yes toe cutter yes but in movies we're not supposed to assume anything about what happens off camera right basically if it's not on camera it doesn't exist Mm. unless we are told that it exists yeah and we weren't told anything about that Mm. the grease rat knowing her name or communicating her name I actually like the rifling through her car. They could have also gone inside and rifled through her things. Right. Because everybody was outside. Mm-hmm. Um, like, all day. The last person inside was Jessie when she changed into her suit to go down to the beach. And we saw, I think 
We only verified four people in the woods. I felt like there were a lot, but yeah, the shots were very quick and we only ever positively identified four specifically. Four. So others could have been at the house. Gathering information. Gathering information. And we always forget that there are so many more bikers in the gang. Because yeah, it's just the lieutenants here at the shed. But at the same time, there could have been right. many more in the They could have been using the them woods. as lookouts, gathering information. You know, Toe Cutter could have sent two inside saying, find out who these people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot that it seems is happening behind the scenes. But back here at the shed, like you said earlier, Toe Cutter launches into this thing where he says, you've not got a sense of humor. You've got a pretty face, though. Awful pretty. And then he says, I suppose you don't need a sense of humor with a pretty face. The only trouble, though, Missy, if you should lose the face. And first of all, he sounds like a creep. Then he sounds like an a-hole. And he insinuates that if she didn't have a pretty face or a sense of humor, she would have nothing. And I think he just needs better material. Like, if he's trying to get her to laugh, his jokes are really bad. (laughs) But his insinuation that without a pretty face or a sense of humor, that she would have nothing, I feel like that really shortchanges women that are humorless and don't have faces because there's no reason they would have nothing to contribute or for other people to appreciate. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) other anti-feminist moments in this movie have gotten me riled up Mm -hmm. (laughs) this one doesn't (laughs) unfortunately i mean it should that he you know discounts all the other virtues that people can have besides a sense of humor and a pretty face i don't know he just says it so well Mm. he just has such presence that i'm like okay Hey, like we've said many times, Toe Cutter has a cult of personality that surrounds him. Uh Uh-huh. That is very captivating. Yes. But after he says, you've got nothing, Jesse says, what do you want for me? And I'm like, were you not listening? Yeah. He wants Kundalini's hand. (laughs) I, I understand her crying out in frustration. Yeah. What do you want from me? Because that's exactly what it is. It's a frustration thing. Yes. She has been strong so far in not playing his game. And she kind of breaks a little here, which is disappointing. Yeah. Um, I think she should have told them that she didn't have the hand. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have made a difference. I mean, it wouldn't have changed anything. But I, I feel like that information should be out there. Yeah. And that I kinda... she turned the hand into the cops. And I kind of like that, yeah, asking what they want, you know, when they've already said what they want is one thing. But she's also asking what they want because she looks through the absurdity of them just wanting the hand back. There's got to be another reason why they're there. Right. And so she's saying, hey, cut the crap. What the heck do you guys want? That's a very good point. Do you think if Kundalini hadn't lost his hand in that way... They still would have gone after them. Oh, I think they would have found another reason to chase them down because she, you know, kneed him in the crotch and assaulted him, put a bunch of ice cream in his face. That is an insult that he cannot let stand. Very true. And so the fact that Kundalini lost a hand is just, you know, more motivation, icing on the cake, right? Sprinkles on the ice cream, so to speak. (laughs) So saying that that's why they're there, that, that Kundalini wants his hand back. It's obviously not what they want. What yeah. they want is retribution for what she did to Toe Cutter, not what she did to Kundalini. Right. Which was his own fault. Yeah, he just... It was just a dumb... You know, wait, I feel bad for him because we've all done things like that. Yeah. 
just dumb little just dumb missteps. moments and it's so quick and you make a decision and bam everything is changed forever mm-hmm. little things big things we've all done it so i i feel bad for him because yeah. he just he didn't think it through and he made a split decision that cost him his life yeah because we Assuming, definitely agree we definitely agree that he's gonna right we don't really see what happens to him do we no because later on in the film a lot of the bikers that we see get taken out are actively riding their motorcycles. Right. We never see Kundalini riding a motorcycle ever again. Because he can't. So he probably just dies of infection. Yeah. Which is a slow, miserable, painful death. Yeah. But it could be hopefully, worse. <laughs> he hopefully could be chained to a truck that Max, explodes. <laughs> hopefully Max didn't kill all of the compassionate people in gang. And somebody is still alive to feed him drugs as he dies. I say, there are plenty of unnamed bikers in that gang that we've seen but not necessarily gotten to know. Yes. For sure. Yes. So this minute ends with Toe Cutter looking at Jesse, and we don't actually hear him speak until next minute. So yeah. we'll pick that up tomorrow. In the meantime, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook, and join our listeners page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 71. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and leather men. Take me to the end of the dream. Hold on tight, so it's